0: We're back to the Neil Haley show here on the Total Celebrity Sh- segment and also the media giant effect. And I'm excited to welcome to the show. And I mean, she's a jack of all trades an actor. She's not just an actor, a TV host and po- former podcaster, everything. Demetria Oberle. Uh, Oberle. Uh, how are you, uh, Demetri? Thanks, Demetria. How are you?
1: I'm doing amazing, Neil. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I mean, you caught me at the right time. We've got a busy production week, lots going on at Revolt, so I'm happy to get into it whenever you All want. right, so
0: let's just jump into it, Demetria, and basically look at specifically enough, when you started in the broadcasting business, what was the thing that really motivated you to do it?
1: Oh man, you know, I set my mind to something and then I go, I looked at a lot of the people who are doing things that I want to do one day. And that kind of helped me create this blueprint for my path. So I went to KU, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. All right. Looking good on the football field too. What's that about? We're usually just about school. <laughs> I love it. Hey man, don't bet against us. This is our year. So yeah, just started off doing that from there. Started working in Kansas City as a traffic reporter and then built my way up the ranks, taking all sorts of risks but they have paid off. So don't count me out. We're going to keep climbing.
0: So isn't it interesting when you see people in the local broadcasting area, how they expand their, their brand. How did you do it to kind of get out of your acting, you know, your, you're with Revolt, you know, all these different things, but it didn't just happen overnight. You had to take risks, so explain <laughs> to those.
1: No, a lot of people don't know that, I mean, I've been at this for almost a decade now. You know, I was working at the KUJHTV TV station when I was in school and you earn a voice in the media. And with that, I think comes an audience as people become more familiar with you, but you don't automatically get to have an opinion starting your way, you know, as a fresh young journalist, right? You have to earn that credibility. And I was able to do that. And I feel like my big moment really happened in Dallas that kind of catapulted my career when a viewer tried to body shame me. This happened back in 2017 and people got to hear me and experience who I am as an individual. And I feel like that drew in a larger audience. I mean, it was a huge global viral moment. And, you know, a lot of people stood with me. And from there, you know, I do my best not to disappoint my audience and always give them the truest version of me, Demetria Obolor. and I speak on social issues. And I think people have appreciated that and also known that with my platform, even if you don't agree with me, you can come and you can have this forum where we can discuss serious issues that affect all of us and also some lighthearted ones as well.
0: So you kind of from that experience decided to build the brand even more. Well, a lot of local broadcasters don't do that. And that was that that took risk too, right? After you went viral, that took risk to say, I'm gonna make take try this and continue to move forward, as you talked about doing the podcast and all these different things kind of catapulted you yeah. to revolt, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, Neil, you gotta keep building that brand, building that audience, right? And just giving I mean, people everything. And for me, I like to say that I have hoop dreams. I'm not much of an athlete, but you know, a mental one, definitely. I was in debate club in high school. (laughs) But no, I I have big, big dreams for myself and big expectations. And you're gonna hear a lot of no's along the way, but you gotta keep planting those seeds out. And sure enough, you know, one of them will sprout up one day. And that's definitely what happened for me at Revolt and Sporting News Seven. I mean, the pandemic was like Really, really rough for me. I took a you know this opportunity to branch out from news. And then everything went dark with the pandemic, but I'm so grateful and blessed. You know, I'm alive here. A lot of people did not make it that far. And so with that and everything that I have, all the energy that I have, I, I just keep going and it, it's not easy. It's not an easy path, right? It's very subjective and it's, it's it's very, very difficult. And these opportunities don't just appear out of thin air. And I'm sure, you know, that no,
0: I know, I know that completely. And it's, you constantly <laughs> have to look and look at the next opportunities or the next, what's the next big thing. And, When that door opens and you might be thinking you're going one direction and then go another. And that's, that's as interesting. Talk a little bit about acting. So, you know, you were doing all this, but then you decided acting as well. And I saw your acting reel. It was really interesting. And so our, our listeners and viewers can learn about more about your acting.
1: Oh, I so appreciate that. Yeah. You know, I built this awesome reel because it's something that I've always had a passion for, but unfortunately for so long, I didn't have a lot of time to really develop that. And so I've been doing a lot of amazing auditions and self-tapes. And when I was in school, you know, I, I did take acting classes and that's something that I've continued to do. And so just working on building that, building my voiceover reel as well, which has been really exciting. And so from there, just I want to do everything, Neil. I want to do everything, all right? And so I, I built that and I'm in an amazing place now here in Atlanta where, I mean, it's one of the newest entertainment capitals of the world. There's so many exciting opportunities out here. Every time I see a Marvel movie and then I see, oh, oh, filmed in Atlanta or a Marvel show. I mean, it, it, it's amazing the things that are happening. So I'm in the right spot, right? And we're just going to build from there. But yes, I've done some amazing voiceover stuff and acted in some productions as well. And it's it's been exciting. I just feel like, you know, the world... What is it? They say the world is your apple. You got to just take a bite. The world is
0: your oyster. And so you just want to go after it. And so like thinking about where you're going next, Mm -hmm. I, I think about when you talk about acting, you said, Atlanta, the opportunities are there. What projects have you, is it more sh- the, of your reel, uh Were they uh, any known project? Like, were they more shorts? What were the well, things that you're showing?
1: More low-key, like projects from years ago, like Death of Boxing, things like that, and, you know, smaller roles. And for me, it's about, you know, finding the time to do it and balancing it with my TV career, because that's taken over so much of my life. I mean, I used to wake up at 2.45 in the morning and then get off at noon and be a zombie for the rest of the day, take a nap and feel like a semi hit me and then be barely functional. <laughs> (laughs) I mean that was my life for like six years and so just now am I sleeping on a normal schedule and so it's like okay let's get back into this realm doing these auditions and so it's just been really really exciting and I always keep you know a positive attitude about everything there's some people come up to me matter of fact a flight attendant approached me on a plane just last week and said Demetria you know I've been told no so many times in these auditions I've made it to the last final round and then I didn't get it what keeps you going how do you keep going and I'm like I've heard no a million times.
0: <laughs> so tell me more about Revolt TV and how that's, you said, has got you more the busy TV schedule. Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. Well, I mean, this one is is definitely different from news. And this is an entertainment show talking about Black Girl stuff, Revolt TV's newest talk show. I'm one of four co-hosts. And so, yeah, I mean, we shoot all day, different kind of production schedule. But with that, we've also been doing a lot of cool entertainment things as well. I mean, interviewing tons of celebrities, which is something I've done before. But I mean, yeah, totally different shoot schedule, but super exciting, amazing project to be a part of the creator, Monique Chanel. I've always wanted to work with her. She's a television visionary. She's been in the business for decades And I mean, it's so exciting to be paired with her and these amazing minds at at Revolt. And you can always be yourself, which is great.
0: So tell me specifically some of the celebrities you've interviewed.
1: Oh my goodness, we've done some fun stuff with Ja Rule that's coming up, I I can't say too much about it. We've interviewed Macy Gray, we've interviewed, we've done some shows, I didn't directly interview him, but our girl Kennedy, Kennedy Rue with the Kennedy Chronicles has brought in Usher, Ludacris, and she's our entertainment reporter for the show. But this one with Ja Rule, I think people are really going to love and that's dropping here next Tuesday. And you can always watch Revolt TV, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern, so check us out. And you gotta download the Revolt app Because we've got all of our shows on there, past episodes as well. You're going to love it.
0: So where's Revolt TV is um, available for people? Is it more like- It's
1: got it on cable channels, but also streaming devices as well. And if you don't have any of those, if you got a phone, we can make it happen. Like I said, download that Revolt app and you can get it there too.
0: What makes it different? What do you think Revolt TV makes different compared to other news- Gabriel, sure.
1: mm-hmm. Bolt TV is just churning out some amazing content. I mean, one of the highest streamed shows right now, Carisha, Please, is on our network. And that's Carisha, a member of the City Girls. And she has some amazing interviews. We've got Drink Champs on our network. I mean, lots of amazing stuff. But Black Girl Stuff, I mean, is a show that's catered toward millennial and Gen Z audiences. And it gives you this really unique perspective. I feel like Black women for so long have been kind of put in a box and stereotyped as being just this one way. And we have this saying, at revolt, and I think everywhere right now the message is black people aren't a monolith, and the show is not just for black girls. My almost 90-year-old white Polish grandma loves the show, so you got to tune in and see because we're talking about things that our generation cares about, yours too. And so, yeah, you got to check it out. I mean, I don't want to give too much away because I think it's really exciting, but I feel that my audience it's definitely aligned with the messages that I've always sent out, and you're always gonna see what Demetrio really thinks about something, no punches held.
0: So prep time involved for the show every week. How much work do you have to put into that?
1: Oh, man, you put, in, you put in a bunch of work. But right now, since this is a weekly show, it's nothing like, you know, doing that crazy daily morning show grind that I know so well and news. So it's been kind of nice to be able to do other things as well. And so my schedule looks totally different than it has from the past, like I said, almost a decade now, right? So I get some breathing time now, but that's allowed me to explore some other creative opportunities as well.
0: So now, because of branding yourself for your show, it's got to be the opportunity in Atlanta for some big projects going to come up soon for acting. Don't you? Oh, yeah.
1: I'm work I'm working on it. You got to find the right people. And there are a lot of young, talented people out there that listen to your show. And I think that they can get really discouraged by, you know, you deal with some not the brightest characters or, or, or the most savory characters in this business, but you keep going on, have a strong sense of self and keep pushing through. Cause I've met some terrible people. We won't name any names, right? But not everybody has your best interest at heart, but you still charge through and you never give up and you keep going, right? And then once again, have a strong sense of self. Don't let anybody come in and try to completely change who you are. You'll get people like that and then really unsavory characters as well. But no, I've I've known people who've experienced terrible things in this business, but you keep pushing on forward. And that that's me. So it's all about finding the right team, right? Because nobody does it alone. And that's something that one of my mentors has told me,
0: you know, and and I I, just to finish up, I just, I'm impressed by you. And again, you're already on your way. You've already hit that next big break and you are going to continue to strive for more. I just can tell, and that's the thing. Where do you do you see yourself more acting or being a television type personality?
1: Damn, I got to do it on. I didn't even tell you that I love to sing too, and I've been taking singing classes as well. (laughs) Okay, because I want everything. Okay, so
0: so you said you had the weird hours in television. So are you? You're just, a. you're, is one of your talents achiever, Uh, according to Gallup, one of mine is achiever, where are you, you're willing to work those 14, 16 hour days to reach your goals?
1: Oh, yeah. You. you know, oh, hell yeah. That is me all the way, Neil. OK, I don't stop. All right. the One of my favorite movies out right now, Ambulance. Jake Gyllenhaal says we are a locomotive. We don't stop. <laughs> and that's that's like my line. I'm like, oh, my God, I love this guy. So, yeah, no, we don't stop. You just keep, keep, keep going. Right. I feel like you've got one life to live. So you just keep churning it out. And no matter what anybody tells you, all the no's that you get, you just keep on pushing through. And so that's me all the way. So we're like in that sense, Neil.
0: Oh, you got to keep going. And yeah. you never know when the opportunities come. And, and, and it was really, I, I think you're the next big thing. When it, so just keep going and you, you're going to, the success. So everyone needs to download the Revolt TV app. And then that's where, again, you can check out yourself. And what day is your show again?
1: Yes. 9 p.m. Eastern Tuesdays. Yes. So check us out if you've got cable and um, also streaming channels as well. Roku, you can access Revolt as well. And yes, keep looking for me because we're going to revisit this interview, Neil. All right, give me a few years and we'll be like, yep, he called no, it. No, no,
0: no, we're going to revisit it before you know it in so many ways. I got to think about, you know, yeah. in Atlanta, we're going to, you know, you're going to be discovered that way yeah. in acting. Trust me, I, I saw your, your reel looks great. <laughs> and this so was- again, I told you that before. So best place to follow you. Where can we go?
1: Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, Demetria Obalor on Instagram and Twitter. Those are verified accounts. Snapchat, Demetria Obalor. My TikTok, the Demetria Obalor. I think I might be the only Demetria Obalor thus far. So it's a unique combination of names. So, you know, just type that in. You'll find me.
0: All right. Well, fantastic. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Neil. It's a true pleasure. Thanks for taking the All time. Take
0: care. All right. You're watching and listening to The Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to Neil Haley's show here on the Total Celebrity segment, and I'm excited to welcome to the program New York Times bestselling author, award-winning journalist, and executive director of the Flow Research Collective, Stephen Kotler. Stephen, thanks for stopping by. We're going to talk about your newest, latest book, The Devil's Dictionary. How are you, Stephen?
2: I'm great, thank you. How are you?
0: I'm doing fantastic. You know, when I started thinking about the, the title of the book, how did you come up with that? That's a pretty catchy title to talk about, and it gets people really thinking right off the bat.
2: It, uh, it came out of thinking about two things. It came out of this idea I had for a very long time ago about a dictionary where every entry in the dictionary actually turned into a thing in the real world. But that was the original core idea um, but in, in the, in the book's got an environmental theme and, you know, in an environment, in the environment, one of the fastest drivers of species extinction is exotic species, new species show up, they overrun the ecosystem, they kill everything, big problem. So the devil's dictionary, the idea, the, or, the origin was, what if you had a machine in this case, an AI that could create life from scratch, that could create exotic species out uh-huh. of nowhere and we've got AIs that are doing sort of that are creating life from scratch already at the virus level and the bacteria level. So I stepped it up a, a couple generations and, and made it a little scary.
0: You definitely did. And you like to connect your background to your, your writing, right? In a lot of ways of how you write. Yeah, I,
2: I, I tried not to early in my career and I couldn't create realistic characters at all. So I discovered I had to like write a little closer to myself to, to make them work.
0: And for people to understand more of your background and how it relates to your writing, kind of explain that to us.
2: I started out as a journalist. And my core interest was always those moments in time when the impossible became possible, like things that we didn't believe could happen. And this was what I covered. I covered it in science and technology and art and religion and sport and, and things like that. So, you know, when world's records were broken, I like to be there when we took science fiction ideas and turned them into science fact technology, right? They did the impossible of like making the future real. Right. I, you know, I covered that. So that was at the center of, of my career. So I've written six books on technology uh, and sort of six books on human performance, which is tends to be when the impossible becomes possible, we see people harnessing new technology and we see people extending human performance. So that's essentially
0: been my career. And you see the extension of life too, as another people now biohacking and stuff. That's, that's, that's intriguing. Yeah, my
2: next, so my next book is on peak performance aging. And while it's not at the core of the topic, right, I'm doing a lot. I've been covering longevity technology for a while and oh, wow, you know what's there. going
0: on is amazing. Yeah. So Dave Asbury, you'd like looking at his stuff and stuff when you t- uh, when you I know talk.
2: Dave, uh, uh, we, we do very different things. Um, and we have very different approaches to how, to how we look at this stuff. Um, my stuff is really heavily neuroscience based. Um, and that's sort of what I do. Instead of well,
0: experimental and sir, instead of experimental, you're more neuro. No, I, so the, I, what I like to do is I like to
2: figure out if something works for me or for other people. And then I, that, but personality doesn't scale. If it works for me, it's pretty much a guarantee. It's not going to work for you. Um, what I like to do is if something is really interesting at the flow research collective, I work with a giant international team of almost hundred psychologists and neuroscientists. Oh, wow. And so we will take ideas that we think are, are, are true. And then we'll bang on them for a really long time. And we do this, in conjunction with scientists at UCLA and USC and Bureau mm-hmm. of College London and all over the world. So it's a much more rigorous and probably academic approach that, than Dave takes. Um, he does a lot more sort of self-experimentation. And if it works for Dave, he thinks-
0: It should it, work for everyone else. And that's not always the case. Well, <laughs> you know, it,
2: in my research, and, and we have a motto at the Flow Research Collective, which is personality doesn't scale, biology scales. You want it, personality is very squishy, it's very subjective. Right. It gets set up by genetics and early childhood experience. And there's a lot of stuff like your risk tolerance, for example, gets established really early in life. You can change it, but it's slow and It exactly. takes like a decade, right? And if you're really risk phobic, I want to train you very differently than if you're an action sport athlete and are really risk-friendly, right? And that's radically different. And that's set up by Genetics and early childhood experience. That's personality. Personality isn't going to scale, right? But if you get one level deeper down to the neurobiology that evolution shaped all of us to share, it tends to work for everyone. So what are you seeing
0: in this whole biohacking thing, in your opinion? A lot of people aren't, but people are. They're really seeing that they want longevity is an important thing.
2: By the way, don't get me wrong. I avail myself of stem cell injections, peptides. I'm not saying that I don't do some of the biohacking stuff myself, and I've played with that. I'm it's interested like, in learning yeah. more
0: about that. You can't oh. find that. You got to. You can't. You find that in average day, everyday place, and people have exposed me to this, and I'm like, okay, I'm interested more. I want to see how you can reverse aging. You know, a year every year in different well, ways. Well, I
2: can give you a list of books to start with, and I can places to turn for sure. And I've got a book. Coming out in February. August. Okay,
0: so you're coming back on the show in February, right? And we're gonna have Perfect. to figure out. We're gonna have to figure Love out to do it. A, a, a series of interviews on that book, and not giving it away, but hyping it up because, man, oh man, that's the intriguing part. But we'll go back to. This. It's interesting to hear your background when you talk about technology, and I think this book makes it so fun and interesting. Is the fact that could you imagine? You're right. Having a machine that could just literally bring back anything. It's almost. In a, in a way like Jurassic World, in way, right? Well,
2: they're doing that. So there's something called the Pleistocene Restoration Project in Russia, where they're trying to bring back the woolly mammoth. And there's a lot of environmental reasons for it. The woolly mammoth was the keystone predator of the Russian steppe, They used grasslands that can serve, that hold a lot of the carbon. So there's all this carbon. The grasslands are, are, are rotting away because they're not properly right. manicured. And if you can bring back the top animal in the ecosystem it's really this is like when they put buffalo and wolves back in Yos, yosemite or yellowstone and it you know some the ecosystems were functioning again this is the same thing but with crazy genetics and this a lot of people have been working on it for a while um are they going to do it I, I you know that I can't answer but like they're they're really serious about it and there's a lot of money and a lot of brilliant people working on it.
0: So in the latest Jurassic movie that
2: could happen where they're basically bringing back dinosaurs. It could happen at one point. It so hey this is outside my lane so I'm not an expert here. I know okay. a little bit
0: more than But it's than kind my... of feeding into what your book is in a way. It because... does
2: feed it absolutely feeds into my, my book but on this particular topic on the Pleistocene restoration project. I'm not, but there seem to be some weird problems with like getting a pure DNA sample that actually has all the information they need to bring it back. Those kinds of questions. So like what seems wonky is remember Jurassic park, the mosquito in the Amber. Yeah. Right. And that's where they got the DNA. So it turns out that that's true, but it turns out the DNA that's there isn't exactly, so it is not working exactly according to plan. So there's issues with some of this stuff that we saw in the movies, but they're definitely moving forward with it. And yeah, it does. I, I just got curious about, um, I mean, new forms of life are getting really, really interesting. And by the way, it's not just like new forms of life at a, like punk rock subculture. We're seeing human-animal hybrids already. People are trying to create cat's eyes yeah. in human beings. Or they're- are you for that? Are you liking that
0: or not as an animal rights
2: advocate? So the mixing of genetics i think is interesting because what so here's what's interesting to me and this is sort of what i talk about in the book is the human brain likes to do us then, divide yeah. does that naturally um for really sort of simple evolutionary reasons right you see something that moves your brain goes oh shit, it's moving it's alive is it like me or is it unlike me and if it's like me maybe i can run in its direction we become friends we're gonna have sex right and if it's not like me oh shit." Maybe I better run away because maybe it's gonna eat me or maybe I better chase it down because I have to eat it, right? So the brain wants to know that. And it does these very clear us them sort of categorizations. And the minute we create human animal hybrids, there's a backlash. There's gonna be a keep humans pure movement. And so like, those are the things that I'm looking at that freak me out. And like, do I care that they're gonna be human animal hybrids? Not so much because I don't. To me, it's, I think of it, it's like, did I care about earrings or tattoos or body modification or scarification? Perfect when they have the,
0: um, I guess, the of uh, men, uh, humans, and, and animals. That'll just be perfect for space, right? Because we're all going to space soon. So we might all um, be
2: going to space and it might be perfect for space. You're probably right. There's probably like a human animal hybrid that's better adapted for living in space than humans. You're actually probably right there. That's a very, you're,
0: you're seeing thing. the whole push. So if you're like jumping on web Oh, that's like the trend. You know, that's of, a really technology. good, it's a really good but sci-fi space is novel. The next. But space is the next thing after that, man.
2: No, you're that's right. you just came up with a great idea for a sci-fi novel. So if you want to team up, I'm sort of into this idea, human animal hybrids in space. Oh, and I like have a perfect space person. Like
0: so we'll have to get your, your information, contact information, bring you back on, talk about it, and figure out a strategy. Because that yeah. is a great idea. Because, I mean, you put all that into space, that's where we're going. And the, the truth is, Elon, and all your earth, they think it's for billionaires and billionaires. Well, it's so I mean, one of the
2: things, if you look in Devil's Dictionary, right, at the core of the plot is the creation of those mega linkages, like huge national wide national parks. And I've got billionaires competing to create mega linkages in their own name, which is based on what Elon and Jeff Bezos and all those guys are doing, trying to get us into space. And also it's not the first time it happened. So back in the 90s, little known fact, Doug Tompkins, who started a spree, took all his money and bought up like basically a huge swatch out of the middle of Chile, that right. completely bisected the country He like he owned all of it and tried to turn it and did. You had to give it back to the Chilean government, but it's a giant national park. So you've got billionaires creating these giant national parks in their own name. But when I was thinking about like what's going to drive kind of this kind of environmental progress forward that I talk about in the book, I was thinking about these guys wanting to go into space. And that competition certainly is helping to unlock the space frontier at a really rapid Will rate. Will you go to space in a few years? Will you travel so, to space? Uh, I so I don't know if you know this or not, but of the books on technology, I wrote three of them. I co wrote with Peter Diamandis, who founded the X Prize, and uh, which was the private race into space that created the very first glass. Uh, so I didn't know I, these like, things. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, so I, I you, you interview con- a lot of people, Stephen. I, so so yeah. Peter Diamandis, they NASA had this like ironclad monopoly on space. And Peter was like, they're doing it wrong. They're never going to do it. So let's have a $10 million competition for the first private team that builds a spaceship that can go into space twice in two weeks, which is like a reusable space right. thing NASA couldn't do. And I wrote the first major article on it, which is how I met Peter and how I got interested in the space program and sort of covered and stayed with it. So along the way, because Peter and I have written a bunch of books together and things like that, um, he promised me a ride into space. So the dude still owes me a ride into space and I will absolutely- You better jump
0: it. on it. But you, you, you know, we're just gonna be able to take a, an air balloon soon to space in a couple of years. Well, you know, I, so
2: I, I want to wait. There's something called the Bigelow Space Hotel,
0: uh, which
2: is an expanding and So you know
0: about road. these things. And see, aren't you glad I, as a journalist, I know about these things. Or I consider myself an entrepreneur that studies this, but I mean, literally I know about it because- because you're a journalist
2: and you do your homework, which is what's so great about talking to journalists. They do their homework.
0: Got to do your homework. And, and and I want to get big. I want to find that next big thing. And so space is going to be a space tourism, all these different things in space. I want to be the first professional wrestler, former pro wrestler, but I want to wrestle in space against the rock. I'm calling them out now for that. But Ooh. these are the kind of Oh, things. wait a minute.
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I was going to tell you, I just want to hang out at the Bigelow Space Hotel, have cocktails, no, no, no! You have give me a new reason to go to space. The, the yeah, yeah. What Neil v Rock in space?
0: Yeah, oh you me, me, me versus the Rock in space, and see, so get him going. Say, get. He wore my knee pads down south when I was a pro wrestler, and I, I'm minor leagues. Never made it to the big time. I'm just legitimate six ten, but I like I said, that would be something. Let me, let, let me ask
2: you a question. Do you train in zero g for the match?
0: Like that's like that's what ah. I want to know. What kind
2: of training program? Oh, are they gonna yeah. Like, so what's, what's right.
0: the matter? Like you see in American Ninja Warrior, you don't need to be big to be successful in American Ninja Warrior. So people like The Rock and I that are big guys, will we matter if there's professional wrestling in space? These are things to think about. Because think about it, like in, uh, uh, you know, when you look at American Ninja Warrior, guys really small are the champions. It's not the yeah, big. It's guys. sort of like an inverted
2: Thunderdome concept like you ba- are basically gonna be half- bouncing off the cage to fight, right? right? Um, it's interesting, it's got potential.
0: So that's the thing, but so the space thing's exciting. Anybody who wants to jump into that, it's a huge. I'm interested in Web 3.0 as well, that no one's talking about that enough. You gotta be innovative in businesses. So as a journalist, what do you think is a another type of thing that's out there in technology that somebody should jump on now if you recommended that, I'm we're going all over the place, but I like this because it's a great conversation. Everyone needs to pick up any of Stephen's books because I'm already intrigued by all of it. But what do you think? Because you study tech, yeah. So, uh, what do you think? I'm of, gonna
2: give you, I, I gotta go two totally separate directions. Mm-hmm. But let's let me borrow something that's sort of in the theme of the devil's dictionary and sort of in some of my other books. I, I'm more on the environmental front, so you may or may not know this, but um. Last year, I've been, as, I've been working as an environmentalist for 20 to 30 years now, depending on how you're measuring. I've been covering a lot of this stuff. Last year is the year, first year I saw things get actually real and serious. And what I mean by that, there's two, I'm going to point to two things. The first is there was over a billion or a trillion dollars in venture investment in green energy. Now, some of this was triggered by the war, but some of this was, this is just like stuff is ready for prime time. That's, first of all, no category investment has ever had a billion or trillion dollars before. So it means green energy is exploding. This is not news from an investment front. Like people are, right, we know this. But if you said, what do you want to jump on? Well, so if you're really paying attention to what's happening on the environmental front. Energy is the the top level. It's the first thing that has to be solved. Immediately under that is agriculture. Agriculture absolutely has to get solved. And you're seeing massive reinvention of agriculture from vertical farming and with with drought, with climate change, with everything we're now facing. That is So already smart investment money is sort of moving in there. We want an example. If you go to Chris Saka, with Twitter co-founders, he has a fund, the carbon fund. You could go to his website and read the companies that he's investing in. There, yes, there's all the energy stuff up top, but right below it is every version of cultured beef. So steak from stem cells, pork from stem cells, shellfish from stem, mm-hmm. all that stuff, etc. 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 This is all what's next. That's That's um, going, I think that's going to explode next. The other thing correlated, people don't know this because it's it's hard to see until I say it out loud and then it will click. So we saw during COVID a massive investment in both AI and quantum computing, predominantly for drug discovery, right? Mm -hmm. And in all the aspects of healthcare. Now, we betting on like AI-driven breakthroughs in healthcare, that's not new. People know that. Um, what people don't realize is the exact same technology that gets us healthcare reinvention also gets us food reinvention. Because mm-hmm. the same technology creates drugs from scratch, something you're going to put into your body that's going to alter your body. is essentially what food does, right? So the same, it flows into food in really interesting ways. So I think you put those two forces together, we're going to see a lot of change. Mm-hmm. agriculture so that's on sort of the environmental tech side what like what's neat and vertical farming is getting wild like people don't pay attention so they don't like oh yes we're going to grow things in indoor greenhouses and they're going to be robots are going to tend them and etc etc yes it's true but we're also learning how to do things like customize the wavelength of light that hits the plant to quadruple crop yields and blah blah so that stuff is going on and it's it's interesting um, and it's, so I, I look at agriculture a lot and then, you know, the other half of the field that I work in, which is peak human performance, right? What's really getting interesting. So I predominantly work on the neurobiology of flow. So flow is the optimal state of consciousness. where We feel our best and perform our best. Okay. And I work on what goes on in the brain and the body when we're performing at our best, right? That's why I work with so many great psychologists and neuroscientists. This work is getting really interesting. So I'll give you one example. We have this really cool research partnership with some folks at UC San Francisco and UC okay. Davis, really smart folks from there and Jump VR. So Jump VR, The Void was this big virtual reality experience that you could have in Santa Monica, They, best in the world. They've closed that down and built the most deadly accurate base jumping simulation in the world, it's a VR simulation. But you actually jump and there's haptics involved and okay. you fly a real wingsuit and oh, cool. um, it's neat. And they've got one open in Utah now and they're opening them all over the country. But we've teamed up with them because we're doing all kinds of crazy virtual reality work with flow. It turns out that flow states have triggers, preconditions that lead to more flow. VR is really good at getting them. Like video games are good at flow, but yeah. VR can get it so many more of the triggers one of the things that happens in flow is we see a massive amplification in learning. Studies run by the US Department of Defense found soldiers in flow can learn 240 to 500% faster than normal. And oh. we see that again and again. There's a lot of neurobiological reasons. We know why it is. But so we are working with Jump to decode um, flow in VR. But the idea is we want to take that and use it for worker retraining because mm-hmm. there's right? We need that, right? right. To move into the, the environmental workforce, we need the green energy work, everything, you know, and a lot of blue collar jobs, as you know, are going the way, right? We have autonomous trucks, truck driving is the largest blue collar employer in America. And over the next 20 years, as the trucks change over, it that goes away, and we're going to have to literally retrain all those folks. And so what VR allows us to do is make high flow, Virtual, so it's fully distributed. You don't have to be anywhere. You just need a headset. Uh, learning learning environments that we can use for worker retraining. You can use the same stuff for school and things like that. Right. One of our, but our focus. Um, I don't. I don't. The reason I don't go near education is what that means is you're going to get into a curriculum battle with parents. And I, fuck, no, no way, not going to ever have it. I'm not arguing with parents about what we should or should not teach your kid. Yeah. Worker retraining is a lot easier. Everybody wants to get paid. Big, Here's a way to learn how scores. to get paid. fast.
0: Education, that'll be last in the technology that someone want to tackle that U.S. Department of Education mess. So there yes. you go. Yeah, that Mess. So where can people purchase a book and learn more about you, Stephen? Where can they go? Uh, Stephen
2: kotler dot com s-t-e-v-e-n-k-o-t-l-e-r dot com gets you all, everything about me you can get my book barnes noble amazon any and any anywhere they, they've got all my books and uh uh if you want to know, learn more about flow that's the flow research and yeah i think i'm out of websites now
0: that's perfect thanks again Stephen. great conversation we went all over the place but it was an interesting conversation but people need to they see the genius brain you have People need to pick up your book to, to really enjoy the technology and what you write about. And the next book is going to be very, Thank you, sir. yeah,
2: I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll put you on the list
0: of people we'll reach out to about NAR. You'll like it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, pick a good You're, You're well. listening and watching the Neil Haley show. We'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show and the media giant effect. And also the love is podcast. I'm excited to welcome first, my host of the podcast Kim Sorrell, Kim, how are you? And I know you're excited about our guest. I can't believe now I'm, I live in Texas now and I'm very close to Fort Worth and uh, I'm understanding, you know, the whole Texas thing being here for about a year, but I'm excited about our guest, Kim.
3: Yeah, I am too, Nail. I'm doing great. Thank you so much. Yeah, Cindy, uh, what an incredible, incredible story, the things that you have lived through and uh, I always admire when people take a tough circumstance and turn it into something incredibly wonderful. And so I can't wait to hear more about that, what your the beginning of your process was and, and how it is for you. You want me to start? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. So we'll just you just okay. jump into the story. Because, Cindy, it's just an amazing story that's led to a film. And just to know, as I was reading about it, I was like, wow. It's, it's something that we all go through, these challenges and trials. Yeah. But This was a, such a big trial. But it's so great that it's being told to more and more people than just the story that you had to go through. Right.
4: Yes. So we'll just jump right into it. Um, in 2004, um, my husband, well, he suffered from paranoid schizophrenia and he was on medications and he he was taking his medications regularly and he just stopped taking his medications, thinking that he was better. And he was working actually in downtown Fort Worth. Um, he, he was a construction engineer and um, he would just disappear I mean for days weeks and it was so Philip and I actually would go out to Fort Worth where he worked at worked and would go looking for him and it's not two blocks away it's the homeless district you know so we started looking there so Philip was introduced to a world that he had never ever seen before nor myself I hadn't seen that and um, it was kind of like, oh wow, oh wow. And um, so one night after we had been searching, I was tucking him, my son, into bed. He was all of tender age, of five and a half. And he looked at me and he says, "Mommy, are you warm?" And I said, "Yeah, baby, I'm warm." And he says, "Do you think my daddy's warm?" Wow. Yeah. And I had to answer that. I said, Well, I sure hope he is. And he goes, well, What about all those other people, Mommy? What about all those people that are out there that are living in those tents? And what about them, Mommy? Are they warm? And kind of took me back. And it took me a few minutes to answer his question. And I just told them, Basically, no, baby, they're not warm. And he said, Well, we need to get lots and lots of blankets so we can warm them all up. And I was, I just kind of just, you know, shrugged it off. Okay, sweetie, we will. But this child did not stop. He woke up the next morning, got his piggy bank with $7.20 in it, brought it to me. And he said, go buy blankets. And I'm thinking to myself, go buy blankets with $7.20? Okay, I got to make something happen. and I got to make it happen quick. Because he wouldn't stop. He's like, mommy, they have to have blankets. And it was um, December and it was getting cold. and His birthday was on Christmas Eve. And so he said, for my birthday, I want 5,000 blankets. I wanna collect 5,000 blankets and we're gonna go warm everybody up. So I thought, oh my, I don't know how I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna pull this off. So I typed a long, long letter and I, I went down to downtown Fort Worth and I literally stood on the street corner And I handed it to everybody that walked by. And I'm an extremely shy person. Well, back then I was. I'm not so much now. And um, I would hand that letter to everybody. I mean, take this, take this, take this, take this, take this, take this. And it landed in the hands of a reporter. And he called me up and he said, we'd like to do an interview. And I'm like, "Okay, that's fantastic. I would love to do this. So Philip and I went um, to the studio. It was in Fort Worth, um, and we uh, Philip did most of the talking. And um, they asked him about his daddy, and they asked him how many blankets he wanted to collect. And he said five thousand blankets. He says they need. Mommy says they need five thousand blankets. Was his exact words, and. Um, it just blew up from there, just blew up. Uh, we were getting interviews with all kinds of news channels and uh, uh, newspapers, and I was hitting it hard. <laughs> I was hitting the streets hard. I'm telling you, it was, it was incredible. I mean, we were. I was working two jobs, and I was going to real estate school at the same time, and I didn't really want to be a realtor, but I thought, you know, if I could sell one house, just one house. It we'll get our lives back because we lost everything. We lost our home. We lost our cars. We lost. We oh, made mom. So um, I met with a gentleman um after I passed my real estate test. I met with a gentleman named Mike, Mike Bowman with Century Twenty One in um Grapevine, Texas, and they interview you. You know, they talk to you, and I looked at him. I said, you know, Mr. Bowman. I really don't want to be a realtor. And he goes, well, what is it you want to do? And I said, my passion is to help the homeless and the mentally ill. And he said, okay, I will help you with that. And I'm like, whoa. So he was our first sponsor that jumped on board. And this man, he went to every home builder, every mortgage company, and we collected our first 5,000 blankets.
3: Wow. Wow. That's absolutely incredible. I love that story. And it would have been so easy for you to do nothing, right? I mean, your son's five and a half. It would have been easy to go, oh honey, that's a nice, you know, that's sweet. That's nice. But you didn't. You didn't. Um, you went it,
4: after it. Well, I did wallow in my depression for a while, but he 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 brought that depression out of me and gave me purpose to he gave me purpose to live a purpose-driven life is the way I because that book that was a gift somebody gave me and so I started reading it reading it reading it I mean like daily and the more I read that book the more I read that book the more action that I took and it was just like incredible my whole my whole spirit changed and um you know, I wanted to walk like Jesus walked. I wanted to be like Jesus. I wanted to help people the way he helped people. I wanted to love on the people that he loved on, you know, and and it just I've been doing it for 20 years.
0: See so that The powerful part of this is you, once you figured out your purpose and mission, it changed who you are as a person, changed your life in so many ways, but you had to hit rock bottom to figure that out, right?
4: Oh yeah. And rock bottom was hard. I mean, when you lose everything, basically it felt like I was losing my life, literally. And then my son brought me back to life and was like, okay, I know what God wants me to do. I know exactly what he's been whispering this in my ear for years. And so I finally started listening and moved to action. I mean, we have a food bank and I I work strictly out of my home um, doing this. Um, God bless you, Mike Bowman. Otherwise, I wouldn't be able to. Um, But I have a food bank in my garage that we started nine years ago. And it's just for the community community. For people in our community that do have homes, but it's either pay the bills or not buy groceries.
0: Oh my goodness!
4: Does that make sense? Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we uh, feed the community, um and we we keep it stocked constantly. I'm always begging, and you know, it's like, don't bring me out of dates, and can I, I'm just begging all the time. It's like, but it's a good kind of begging, right?
3: Yeah. Right. That's amazing. So you, you've taken this, this circumstance, obviously, and just made, made gold out of it when, when it could have just kept you down and kept your son down. And it's so remarkable. I mean, I think your story is a story that obviously everybody needs to hear because of the inspiration that you give, because you are anybody, right? Like nice. anybody, anybody could take their bad circumstance and, and changing it into something good.
4: Yeah, it, it, they definitely can. And it's like I, there, there are people that are living in this country right now that are going through exactly what our family went through, but they're afraid to talk, even talk about it because there's such a stereotype um, on the mentally ill, the homeless somebody being homeless they're stereotyped which breaks my heart because it's like people are afraid and it's like there's nothing to be afraid of these people are human beings and if you sit down and talk to them this is a crazy thing somebody asked me well how do we know what they need and I said well the first thing you do is you sit down with them and listen if you listen and connect with that person you're going to know exactly what they need yeah may it be may it be food may it be a comforting blanket sleeping bag whatever but i think more than that they need that human contact that human compassion and love because it's it's very isolating out there for these people they 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 see un they they feel unseen and it's, it's, it's extremely sad because people walk by them and not even look them in the eye. And it's just like they're human beings for the love of Jesus. This is what Jesus wanted. He wanted us to be the people that go out there. He, we, he chose us, all of us. He chose us all for a specific purpose.
0: Yes. So how did you end up? Getting this move, this your story made into a movie. What did you tell us that process? Tell us that.
4: Well, there was a screenwriter who was he saw it on TV and he called me up, literally called me up and I answered the phone and he said, Hey, my name is Larry Postel. I would love to write a screenplay about your story. And I'm like, Okay, whatever. That sounds good. So we met up and, um, He interviewed me for months. I'm
3: talking months. And uh here
0: we are. Wow. That's great. We do, we're gonna we are running out of time. We have to take a break, but everyone definitely, Kim. You need uh Cindy, Kim's gonna send you a copy of her book to you, Love Is, and we appreciate getting the opportunity because she wrote a book about love and all these things. And I know you guys need to connect more. You guys are both transforming society through love and i appreciate both of you coming on and again everyone needs to check out the movie it's going to be available on december 12th is that correct 12th
4: and 13th you can go to fathomevents.com you can actually put in your zip code and buy tickets uh, all over the united states um and you can go to our website as well and it's right on our website as well. You can click in, click on it, and it will take you straight to the 5,000 Blankets trailer. How to buy tickets. Put in your zip code. You can purchase tickets through our website. You can awesome. donate monetarily through our website if you feel the need. Um, I mean,
0: okay. We appreciate different. it. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks, thanks. I appreciate it, Cindy. Appreciate it. Okay. Take care. You're listening and watching the Neil Haley show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley show and also the media giant effect. And also, now I'm going to call it the Dr. Ted Wisdom Teeth Wisdom Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program. My co-host, Dr. Ted Grunler. Dr. Ted, you're liking this, man. I threw you in right off the bat with a really, really interesting interview. And are you a fan of horror movies, Dr. Ted? No. <laughs> <laughs> A doctor
5: takes a Hippocratic oath and he cannot lie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so tell me, Ted, so the,
0: never horror movies growing up at all?
6: Um, you know, the, the there are some vivid memories I have of watching movies that were on regular television. And there's one scene on the end of a movie where there's an Indian sitting on top of a cowboy with a knife over his head. And I'll never forget that scene. So now... Uh, in- Is that
0: because you see too much blood every day for uh-huh. a surgeon?
6: No, nah, that's that's like water to me. Uh, <laughs> no, it, not really. It's it, it's just one of those things. I don't know. I've read Dean Kuhn's, uh books and it's th- those just go too far for me. Um, eh, you told
0: me as a kid, you never saw any of the Halloween movies ever.
6: Well, I, I, I did go to them, but um I wasn't. I, there are others, other things I'd rather go to. You know, like uh, you know, the um, all of the the movies that are out with uh, Iron Man and and uh, the Marvel movies. You know, I, I get sucked into those really quickly uh, because of the just the tech behind them. And uh, James Bond. I, I think I've seen every one of them, and I could keep watching them if they if they keep coming out. Uh, just the inventions. The reason
5: and, that you invited me. Am I on? What? <laughs> Well, what Joanne, am I? Now? we're
0: going to go right now to, so I'm excited to welcome room. Joanne Barron. Again, Halloween ends, uh, getting co-starring with, again, uh, Rohan Campbell and also Jamie Lee Curtis. Joanne, thanks for stopping by. We're just joking around. I told you, you never know what to expect. I, 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 I definitely came to
5: play, but I didn't expect the first part of my interview to be a wonderful, handsome doctor who didn't like horror movies <laughs> as the entree. And now we hear <laughs> the Bond movies and others. But I will say, I didn't go to horror movies and that wasn't my thing. And just because you get in a movie doesn't mean that you have seen all the movies in the genre. You might, the first time you, you, you were exposed to something, just be an actor in it. I, I am not a horror film buff. I barely know any horror film But I starred in a movie with an Academy Award winner named Piper Laurie, a movie that was written about a little bit about me, a fabulous movie called St. Patrick's Day. She won either the Academy Award or was nominated to play Carrie's mother in the horror film Carrie. And all the reviews said I reminded them of her and she was freakishly terrifying. So I can identify with you, Doc. I am not the horror film
0: Oh, man, I, we got, I always when I had a, I had someone on that was uh, played Jason and I said to him from Friday the 13th, I forgot his name, uh his real name. And I said, and he does all these different films. I said, can I come on so you could kill me? You know, because as being six foot ten, almost 300 pounds. I want to be in a horror movie where I get killed by, you know, one. of. So basically, when you got to had to audition. Joanne, was that something like, oh my gosh, have you been in any other horror movies? Is this the only one you've ever been in?
5: Uh, that's a good question that no one's asked me. I was in a movie called i Murders. And a guy at that time who was up and coming is now pretty much a star. His name is Frank Griot. And he stars in a movie called Lamborghini. And he has a big series he's on. Uh, he was in the movie. And I played a neighbor... Who is sweet and unassuming? Tony Todd. Speaking of tall men, from Candyman, he was in it. Anyway, this movie that Robbie Bryan directed and wrote. Did I is say
0: Candyman Man three times for you, or not? Or I'm in trouble. Uh, uh-huh you can say Candyman, Candyman, Candyman. Oh and no, 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 no! You can't do that. Please no. Do you know about that movie, Doctor Ted? No, I don't. You're not supposed to say it three times. I'm already oh. looking in the corner saying, please no, please no. See, Joanne is definitely showing her horror style stuff now. No, no, no. no. You can't say it. I didn't hear it. So, I'm going to have to edit that third one out. I'm already looking in the corner. Uh, so I was the
5: murderer in iMurders. I was the sweet old neighbor that was killing everyone. So in that, I was in a horror movie, a thriller Maybe a horror movie. I think a horror movie because I was killing everyone that was my neighbor. And then I was in a, a, a movie called High School Cheerleader. And I was the vice principal who got killed. So I think I've been in proximity to horror. But like Dr. T, I have not been
0: going to horror movies, I love horror movies. as a um,
5: practice. Some people, um, they live for
0: them. They oh, live in time There in Elm Street, I love Freddy Krueger, and see, Michael Myers, in my opinion, I wasn't a huge fan as Nightmare on Elm Street and Jason. I don't know why, but now I'm a huge Michael Myers fan because the guy can never be killed, and we're not going to say anything about the other one, and I'm sure he's not dead. I'm sure he's back, and especially Candyman almost appeared right now in the corner, though, and, and Ted, if you've not watched it, I recommend it. Horror movies make it so your life doesn't feel so bad. I interviewed a horror movie director before and said that. <laughs> horror movies makes your life not feel so bad. So now after I'm looking in the corner and seeing if Candyman's right here, thanks to Joanne, and I'm going to have to put that out there as a reel for sure, what she did, I'm like, oh, dear, goodness gracious. So, Joanne, when you auditioned, I'm sure you saw all the Halloween movies, right? Or at least the ones, the originals, right? With Amy Lee. The process of auditioning, in major
5: projects, and even maybe less so, but especially this, is so top secret, the actors don't know what they're auditioning for, what the name of it is, who they are. Even the scenes can sometimes be written for the auditions and don't reflect necessarily the movie. I had no idea I was auditioning for a horror movie. I knew I was auditioning for uh, a project that was a Jason Blum project, which means that it's like, a tour de force, you know, uh, brilliant uh, producer. I didn't really know anything else. In fact, they had another name for it the whole time I was auditioning. It was called Caveman, Cave Dweller. It was called Cave Dweller. So I never, ever knew what it was. And I definitely didn't know until right before that I was going to be in a scene opposite Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, so I didn't know anything. And the director took a real irreverent turn, an iconoclastic, kind of unique auteur, fresh look at creating me and my son as new characters in the last of the trilogy. So he did something epically audacious. He put a whole new character and my son's the lead. And he did that as he was sewing up the entire storyline. So did I know I was going for horror movie? No. Did I know who I was in it?
6: No. Oh, my goodness. But you turned a lot of heads in that movie from what I read. And you were the crazy, creepy mother uh, in this film. And you made the audience feel like Michael uh, Murphy, was it? Michael Michael Myers. Myers, Michael Myers was in the movie when he wasn't. But (laughs) but they were led to believe that he was in the presence of you all.
5: That's so doctor-like. You're so uh, educated and have that intellectual mind that that scientific mind. Yes. One of the reviews said that I was the scariest character in the film, yeah. that when I was on screen, it didn't matter that Michael had less screen time because he, I was embodying him and you felt like Michael Myers was alive in me. You know, that was when as an actor, you do things and you don't know sometimes even what you're doing. So when I read a review that said toxic motherhood, Jamie Lee is like all over her granddaughter and I'm all over my son. I didn't understand. And even the fact that they have a novelization out about my character. There were seven children in my family. I was neglected. My first husband died, you know, in a way. It's like all of the interesting aspects that you don't really know, even as an actor, sometimes how people view it after and reflect on it and review it it's actually informative. I was surprised that I was compared to Michael Myers. I was surprised that they said the toxic motherhood was the theme of the movie. I was surprised that people thought Jamie Lee was toxic as a grandma. Mm. I was surprised at all the things I read that, you know, just seemed, they said I was so memorable because you couldn't forget me, I was so creepy.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so That's yeah, Ted, if you have peacock you can watch halloween ends right now i mean because this is the On thing NBC. yeah and, and peacock network i watched it i went to the other halloween i didn't go to the theaters because i already subscribed to peacock i'm like okay i'll watch it and you're right you were scary and honestly the way they plug plug this at the end it's it, i can't believe that jason blum the blum might be over but you never know i believe michael myers is not dead that's my belief but let's go with jason blum are you a fan of Blumhouse? Now after- well, I the, think uh,
5: Blumhouse is brilliant. I mean, this is a guy who made an entire, you know, iconic leg-
3: legacy level uh, franchise from